Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hochmai and Coffee Live. Hopefully you've had a blessed week this week. Excited to dive into Revelation 3, verse by verse. And uh, man, we got some interesting things. And one of the big ones is lukewarm. I, I know growing up, I heard so many sermons on, you know, be hot and sometimes be cold or whatever it was. Uh, but don't be lukewarm. And lukewarm is when you mix with the world. And, and I was like, well, wow, wow, that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, but I never really had someone just take me verse by verse through this section. And so we're going to do that. We're going to uncover, Lord willing, what in the world really was Jesus meaning when he said lukewarm? And that's our goal is to look for the uh, intended meaning. But let's bring on uh, Jonah here with us. Jonah, how are you this morning? Doing good, doing good. Oh, good, good. Um, I know many probably looking at my head like, hey, you're looking <laughs> a little shinier than normal. Like, what what happened up here? Yeah, I was getting fed up with the uh, with it getting thinner up here. I'm like, you know what? It's just time. It's just time. And so this is uh, this is the new look. Uh, but how, <laughs> how has your week been going? It was, it was, it's been good. It's been uh, very fast. Um, I like yeah. those kinds of weeks that, man, just so much going on that it's already Friday. Um, but I don't think I'm very, I'm probably a couple of years behind you. I don't think, but it's, it's thinning out. Oh, <laughs> I don't see it thinning out on you. <laughs> I'm glad, <laughs> God, but just wait a couple of years and I might be, I might be where you are. We'll be the bald brother show. So, oh. uh. There we go. Well, we're going to be in Revelation today, but before we jump in Revelation, we've got our, uh, I don't even know what we call it nowadays, but we've got a couple of things to talk about before we get into Revelation. If you want this free Hochmann coffee background, it's our gift to you. It's down in the description. You can pick that up. Also, you can be a part of the cool mug club. If you'd like to be, those are down there as well. But I do want to begin and just say a huge thank you to our supporters. These guys have been with us for years, literally years. We've got Judy Murphy, Gary Pence, Maggie Diaz, Kathy Earnhardt, Cindy Erickson. Thank you all for your support. It's because of you guys that we're able to do what we do. We also have some new supporters who are in our, uh, our uh, what do you call it? The uh, Everything Church Pro University. I'm telling you, at five thirty, at six in the morning now. But it, your brain takes a little while to get warmed up. So, you know, and you have a couple uh, misfires. But we're here. We're gonna get our brains work in here. But it's we've got a couple of supporters. We got Brian, Jeremy, Michael, Luigi, Jonathan, Judy, Jesse, Jack, Eric, Tim, Joan. Oh, that's you, uh, Joseph, <laughs> Nancy, Jana, Michelle, Bradley, Michelle. Uh, Renata, Pamela, Derek, Andrew, Molly. We just want to say thank you to all of those who are a part of our university. And the goal is just to make it the most inexpensive Bible training on the planet. And so I want to say a huge thank you to you guys as well for supporting the channel and helping us in the future make kids content. I'm excited about that. And so just a huge thank you to everybody who's a part of whether you're part of the uh, supporters there or part of the ECPU. Uh, we're just thankful for each and every one of you. But with all of that being said, are you ready to dive into Revelation 3? Let's do it. I'm nervous for this one. <laughs> yes. This one, it's not because it's like some deep theological thing that's like hard for your brain to grasp. It's just, it's just, I don't know. This one's just unique. And so we're going to dive into it together and we'll all see how unique it is. But we'll begin with this, the church at Sardis, the church at Sardis. And so it begins by saying unto the angel at the church of Sardis, write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God 
and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And this is big. They have not defiled their garments. They shall walk in white or with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name uh, out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is an interesting uh, uh, walkthrough we're going to do here, because the church at Sardis, and I was told that at Sardis they were known for, was it wool? Uh, making woolen clothing and things. And so that's why we get some really interesting uh, allusions to white raiment. And that would have meant a lot to them. But I'm just looking through here. And I I want us to begin by his introduction. He says that he has the seven spirits of God, which we've explained already in our very, I think it was our very first video on Revelation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's not seven Holy Spirits. uh, Hopefully, Uh, if you were confused about what seven spirits, I thought there was just one Holy Spirit. There is uh, seven being his completion, his perfection. And we talk about the references that he might be pulling from in the Old Testament, but I'm not going to dive back into that. But let's just think about the fullness of the Spirit of God here. And we also have uh, the seven stars, which in also in Revelation 1 referred to the angels of the churches, the pastors of the churches. And so he's got these in his hand. He is the one uh, who not only possesses fullness of life, the Holy Spirit of God, the fullness of it, but he also is the one keeping alive the seven stars. He is the one that is upholding them by the word of his power. And he says, I know thy works. This is something that he keeps saying, works, works. We've got it there, works, works, works. But I also see a couple other words, and then I'll let you comment on this, Jonah. Uh, But he says here, let me look where it says, uh, it says, remember how we've heard and watch. It says, watch. This says, we're supposed to watch, or else he's going to come as a thief in the night. We get both of these watchful warnings. And so I want to turn this over to you. He says, you have a name that you're living and you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. You have a name that you're living and are dead. Be watchful and strengthen. And so I want you to tease out what are your thoughts? initially about this church here what are they going through so as we were talking before this church is probably the one that i can't wrap my hand uh, my mind around completely there's just a lot of things that man i'm not quite sure what christ is saying um but i just keep being reminded of what we read in chapter one blessed is he that readeth and doeth and heareth these these the words of this book and so it is important that we study it out and uh, do our best to find the interpretation of it. I just want to put this out here. If you don't agree or if I am flat out <laughs> wrong, I apologize already. Uh, but as we were uh, discussing, as we were studying this out, there are two uh, options. I'm not quite sure uh, which one I think either one is good application. I'm not sure which one is the interpretation when the church at Sardis was hearing this the very first yeah. time. They knew exactly what you know, Christ was saying. I, I'm not sure in 2023, uh, so far removed, uh, but either they 
are dead spiritually. As yeah. You have a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I've uh, not found thy works perfect before God. So, so regardless, and so that was uh, before I say regardless. The second option is revival. Oh, there were some people that we were reading that uh, they're saying, well, they're, they were once alive. They were, they were going on for Christ, uh, but now they have waned in their their walk and they're pretty much like a dead church now they're not really doing anything um and that's kind of if you want to refer back to verse one it says i know thy works thou hast a name that thou livest but you're dead and so um no and that's the hard thing and so when you said spiritually dead you're referring to like unsaved unregenerate not born again And, and so we're looking here and these are the two options that are very tough for us Uh, If you've taken our How to Study the Bible mini course or maybe even watched our How to Study the Bible video, you realize we search for interpretation first, and that's what we're trying to do. I mean, we can apply this to ourselves. We can. We can be like, okay, yeah, well, we have a name that we live and weren't dead, and we can have an application sense. We were trying to find the interpretation, which is what Jesus meant for the church at Sardis, and it's hard uh, because he doesn't give us too many clues to what he meant by living and dead within this text. And so we're looking at it, and it could be either of those. Um, right now, I'm kind of leaning towards uh, saved and unsaved. And, and the reason why is because of the reward at the end. And mm-hmm. so we have you have a name that you live and are dead. He's supposed to do what's right because there's a few people, he says here, that has a few in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. And so it seems like the ones who are actually alive, you know, it says the things which remain and are that are ready to die but are not dead. There, you know, there's a few that are maybe the older generation that are ready to pass off the scene, and they're the ones who built the church. They're the ones who were actually saved. But Junior and 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 the younger generation. They've kept the church going, but they never, it never became their faith. They never got saved. And he's saying, remember, (laughs) strengthen the things which remain, the doctrine of the older generation that's ready to pass off the scene, strengthen it, uh, because I've not found your works perfect. And then he goes on and he's a, he's a warning. He's like the few who are there, dude, they are going to walk with me in white. Those who are actually saved at that church, they're going to be with me. And he says, uh, for all those who overcome, you also will walk with me. But if you don't, this is kind of the antithesis, uh, your name will be blotted. So he says, if you overcome, your name won't be blotted, which means if you don't overcome, (laughs) your name will be blotted out of the book of life. Meaning, uh, in my mind, it seems like this dead is referring to salvation. That's just, that's where I'm at right now. I, I might have to sit longer with this, but I do think this is a big warning for churches, even today, a church is not a healthy church because it has a name that it lives. I mean, mm. that's that's huge. It says you have a name that you live, meaning in the in the culture around them, they looked at that church as a great church. That was a good church. It's a, it's a thriving church. It's an alive church because we on the outside can't judge churches very well. <laughs> uh, we, we can judge them on their programs. I hope we judge them on more than that if we're actually saved. We can sense this is this is a live church with jesus we can hear his voice in the church but he says they have a name that they live but jesus knew they were dead and so we're supposed to be watchful and i pray that's not our church i pray that's not us i pray we don't have a name that we live but we're actually spiritually dead 
And so that's where I'm at. What What do you have? Any final comments on this church? We have three churches we're going to try to hit today. Uh, mm-hmm. What What other thoughts do you have on this church before we move on uh, to the Church of Philadelphia? Um, the only thing I thought of, and I don't know why I did think of this uh, as we were discussing it earlier, but just as you were speaking, I don't want any confusion uh, for anyone watching. We believe in eternal security. Right. And someone reading verse 5 might say, oh, if he blots someone out of the uh, book of life, they were saved they, because they were in the book of life, and now he blots it out. They're not saved anymore. I don't believe that's the case. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, and so I... This is what I've heard, uh, and this is what I uh, believe to be. I think everyone's there, and it depends on what you do with Christ. If you die without believing in Christ, you will be blotted out. And that just shows the mercy of God. He's not just waiting, when can I put his name in the book of life? No, he says, you're already, you're on your way, but it's really depending on what you do with Christ. If you never, I've got to take you out of my book of life because you died without salvation. And yeah. so that's a good explanation. I've heard that many times. And you know, the truth is I haven't thought about it very much, but it seems yeah. like that if we believe in eternal security is the only thing that we can yeah. go with uh, for blotting out. But thank you for that explanation. That'll be a help to many. I, you know, I haven't even looked at the comments yet today. Let's look at these. Let's add some of these before we go to the next church. Good morning, everyone had cataract surgery yesterday. So I have the week off. Finally get to participate here without being late. Well, we are glad you're here, Brother Gary. Glad you're here. We got Belinda. Hi, everyone. Great to see you. Great to see you too, Belinda. And let me see here. I was thinking that this church is spiritually dead. You know, and that could be. No, wait. Before I go spiritually dead, uh, you're. I, I want to be very clear because some people use that word spiritually dead for both of the meanings. <laughs> some would say spiritually dead is unsaved, like and like Ephesians. Ye who mm-hmm. were dead in trespasses and sins. And then some mean it spiritually dead as a needing of revival. Like you need to be woken up. So are you meaning the first one, which is uh, need they, they were unsaved? Or are you meaning the second one in need of revival? That's the hard part. That spiritually dead phrase is used for both. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so if you uh, can clarify that in a second, maybe we can chat a little bit more about it. But uh, no, it's really interesting. The church at Sardis, the church at Sardis. And so let's look at the Church of Philadelphia while he might be able to clarify that for us. The Church at Philadelphia. This is another interesting one. Uh, And I want, Joan, I'm going to have you read uh, this section. I'm trying to think of where we should stop reading. Um, Let me see. We've got, let's just read this whole thing. These these verses from 7 to 13. And then we'll begin breaking it down, talking about it. And so if you'll read verses 7 through 13. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man can take thy crown. 
Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I'll write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So I, I was I was talking over here and I realized I wasn't even on the screen. Like, <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> but here I am. Uh, but before we keep moving on, thank you for reading that. Uh, we did get here in need of repentance and revival, which is, you know, you're not alone in that view. There's others who hold that view. Just right now, looking at the consequences is why I lean towards them being many in the church. Just dead, dead, because there's a few who are still white and doing, you know, that are actually with him in the church. And so that's where I'm at right now. I could be wrong. The truth is, this is a tough one. And, and so if you believe that, <laughs> there are many who believe that too. And so I think that it's it just comes down to us trying to study it out the best that we can, and then giving grace to each other on our minor differences, because the truth is, these are minor differences. Uh, and it really comes down to uh, what was going on at that church and how then we can apply it to us. We can't apply it to our local churches today being filled with unsaved, if we take it my way, who need to actually be saved. But we can also take it from your point of view and apply it to ourselves as well, that there are many churches who are dead and they are dying and they are not alive uh, uh, spiritually, although they might be busy. I took that more to be like the left their first love because they were busy. And this one was a little bit different, but Truthfully, both of them can be applied to us, and I think we should look at both of those applications. So, thank you for that. <laughs> let's uh, let's look at this church in Philadelphia. And I, this is a weird one. I now, and I want everyone who's watching or listening to be thinking, what in the world is the open door? Okay, and if you have a thought on it, comment it below. I want to hear your thoughts because I'm still wrestling. What is the open door? And so, let's look at this. Uh, I love the way he introduces himself. He's the one that's holy. He's the one that's true. He's got the key of David, and he's the one that opens and no man shuts, that shuts and no man opens, which obviously is correlating to this open door here. He's like, guys, if I open it, nobody can close it. If I close it, nobody can open it. I'm the one who's in control of the door here. And he says, I know your works. Before, behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. And he doesn't explain what the open door is because, and here's the reason why they knew what it was. The church of Philadelphia was like, yo, bingo. Yep. I got this. I know what the open door is, but, but because he's inferring it, it's like, come on, come on. Give us a little bit more details in here. Like what's the open door? What were they going through? How is this done? Now I'm going to, we're going to keep reading and see if it clarifies open door. Um, and so let's look at that as we keep going on. But he says, I have done this. That's the truth. We know it's the truth that he set before them an open door. Whatever that open door was, let's see if we can we can tease it out of the text. But he says, I've set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. And here's the reason why. We see four. Now, nah, it's a little strength. I love that. That's encouraging to all of us because the truth is all of us have little strength. If, if that, none of us are spiritual giants. And the ones who we think are, uh, are spiritual giants, if you were to ask them, they would tell you no. I might look like a spiritual giant to you, but the truth is I have little strength. It's all glory to God because it's not me. He's, and this is what Jesus said. You have little strength, but here's the big thing. You've kept my word. You've kept my word and has not denied my name. And so, friends, we've got to realize Jesus 
is the word and he prioritizes the word. There are many in this day and time who want to minimize the word. They want to minimize the word of God. And, and they, they do that by pitting the Holy Spirit against the word, which to me sounds ludicrous because the word was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's like mm. he's the one who, who who inspired this. And yet they want to pit him against each other. Maybe you've heard this. I hope none of you said this. If you have <laughs> turn away from this, but you'll there's something clearly revealed in Scripture. And then someone will say, well, the spirit showed me this. It's like, well, friend, it doesn't matter if the spirit showed you the spirit. I'm putting that in quotes because it's not the Holy Spirit. If you feel like the spirit told you something that goes against the word, that mm. doesn't, the, the Holy Spirit would never do such a thing. And yet we have that today where it's the Holy Spirit's this and the word is way down here and we don't really care about what the word says. But here, Jesus says, the big thing is this, you kept my word, you kept my word. And that doesn't he say in John that if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed? Mm. Like there's a big emphasis on this. And he's he's praising the church of Philadelphia for Philadelphia for keeping his word. And so I'm I, I have so much this is bubbling over right now, but I want to turn it over to you. What are your thoughts about this this church here, this opening section? Yeah, so <clears throat> definitely uh do think it's an amazing thing that even if we are weak, he says you guys have little strength. I believe it was Paul, uh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so uh, it doesn't matter if we're uh, weak, uh, God can work through that. But as we were talking, I think it was even yesterday, you brought up a verse in Psalm talking about his word. Psalm 138, yeah. two, I pulled it up. It says, I'll worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And so he, God puts great stock in great his stock. word, um, which is which is incredible. So when someone is uh, obeying and doing and keeping God's word, we can see he is super thankful. He is. Oh, yeah. And even I don't know if this is the right word, but proud. He, he's giving them condom. Con, no, not condemnation. <laughs> commendation. commendation. <laughs> um, same Hallelujah, you are uh, keeping the word of my patience. You kept my word. And and before you go on, I mean, that's what true faith really is. When we look at faith in Hebrews 11, it's trusting the word. And that's that hope. We trust his word, even though we can't see it. They all believed his word and obeyed it, despite not being able to see uh, the end or the promise fulfilled in their lifetime. And that's what God wants. And that's what he wanted from Adam and Eve in the beginning was to keep his word. He told them, don't eat this. Trust my word. Trust me. Obey me. And so I'm going to turn it back over to you. But that's a huge thing. I love that. And even more things that just come into my mind, too. I I believe it was Peter who says we have a more sure word of prophecy. He's he experienced a lot. Uh, He saw a lot. But he says we have something even more sure than any experience that anyone has gone through, even myself. Uh, Because he even described some of the experiences he had, but he says, the word is where it's at. Mm. It's more, it's more, I'll use bad grammar, more better. It's more better. Any experience that you may. He was even, he was, he was right there in that context referring Mm. to the transfiguration. He's like, I was on the holy mount. I saw Jesus like glorified. I heard the voice from heaven. And yet we have a more sure word. So, so good. Mm. Okay. So we've got this. 
And let's keep going on. It says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which we've explained in a previous uh, podcast. You got to go back and watch those. We can't rehash these again, but he does rehash it here. He says, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Again, saying these guys are not the real deal. Uh, But he says, Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet. Now, for me, honestly, this was one of the harder parts. Open door is a curiosity, which I'm seeing comments come in. We're going to look at those in a second. Uh, But this one was harder for me than open door because open door is kind of like, if we can't figure it out perfectly, okay, we're going to be okay. But this one's big because he says he's going to make them come and worship before thy feet, which we know as Bible believing Christians, nobody should worship us. Like nobody should worship us. And this is the key. Nobody should worship us. In fact, the same word worship is used so many times in the New Testament. Uh, in fact, it's used many times in, in Revelation, and you probably would recognize the ones where John falls down and does this to the angel, and the angel says, whoa, 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 see thou do it not. I am a, a fellow servant. He's like, worship God. I'm like, don't worship me. Same word, same word. And he says, I'm going to make them come and worship before thy feet. And, and so this was a big one. Uh, Jonah, what are your initial thoughts? And I think they might be similar to mine. Uh, but what are you thinking about this worshiping before thy feet? Yeah, um, it's in context talking about those who say they're Jews and are not. Some people believe it could be Judaizers and um, just doctrinally wrong. And yeah. we do see that now there's going to come a point in time where God will make those uh, who or say they're Jews and are not realize who God is, who Christ is, and they're going to come back humbly. Yeah, and they're not going to be worshiping them, the church, uh, the the pastor, the members of that church. They're not going to be uh, worshiping uh, Christians or whatever. But we are the light of the world. We are uh, God's representation. That's how the word is proclaimed, and so they can't necessarily. Uh, get to God, the, the only way they can say is, you guys were right. We're worshiping the one who you guys were trying to tell us about because uh, it is now so plain and clear that we were wrong. You were right. We're not worshiping you. We are worshiping, worshiping God before your feet. We're coming to you and saying, yes, we were wrong and we will worship the one you guys told us about. So, so the worshiping is done in the presence of the the believers here but not directed towards the yeah. believers here and, and and this could even be and sad to say this could even be after they're dead which which we mm. would look at uh philippians when he talks about every knee shall bow yeah. and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father that could be the time when they come down uh, hopefully mm-hmm. it's before then hopefully it is yeah. Uh, but it could be there. And so we just want to tease that out for a second. But he, again, he says that I'm going to make them know that I have loved thee, which is awesome. That's so big. I mean, yeah, there are so many who would just love for a, a pop star or a movie star to come to one of their parties or come to their church and be like, hey, I know this person. He's one of my BFFs. This is a good guy. They would like fall over and, and, and die if someone did that for them. Yet the God of the universe says, hey, I'm going to make sure that when these people who've been giving you a hard time come, 
I'm going to make sure they know I love you. Like you're with mm-hmm. me. That's big. That's big. Why? Because I've kept the word of my patience. You've endured. You've stayed strong despite the oncomings. And he says, because of that, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Now, this is where I link open door right now. He says, I'm going to keep thee from the hour of temptation. We see that he's going yeah, with, with, with sinful temptations. He makes a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. And we can think of that as like a door, like you can escape. But this is not sinful temptation. This is the hour of trial, which is going to come upon all the world to try them which dwell upon the earth. I believe this is the great tribulation. And he's telling them, I am not going to make you go through that. And this is supposed to give them hope because there was many things floating around. We saw in the book of Thessalonians that there were already uh, rumors that it had come and gone and all of these things. And people were worried. Are we going to go through the tribulation? Is it already here? Did we miss the rapture? All these things. And he's, he's just reassuring them, guys. Because you've been faithful, you will not have to go through that hour of temptation, which will come upon the whole world. And so this is something for us believers to take as well, uh, friends. They never had to go through it. The Lord took them home before the tribulation ever came. And this was supposed to come for them, that no matter what, whether it's death or whether it is the rapture, I'm going to keep you from it. I'm going to keep you from it. And for us, we can have that same hope. There's nobody who's can close this door. He says, I have set before you an open door. And he's like, because you've kept my word, I'm going to keep you from the hour of temptation. And we're supposed to realize that if Jesus opens that door, if Jesus was the one that, that says this is what's going to happen, nobody on earth can close this. Nobody on earth can close this. And then he gives them again, behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. So don't, don't hold out. I don't fall out. He says, hold fast that which you have, that no man may take thy crown. He's like, keep going, guys. You're doing so well. Stay consistent. Stay faithful. Uh, because there's rewards coming. There's rewards coming. Any thoughts about this before we look at the overcoming statements? Uh, no, I think, uh, it is an encouragement that, cause I think you even said, and we read a couple of people who said, regardless of, uh, if they were going to be raptured or taken out yep. of the world before this happened, or they died before just reading it is an encouragement. And it's so true to us knowing that God will not allow the believers to go through the tribulation whether or not we get raptured or we die before we know we don't have to go through it. So it is an encouragement to them and to all believers um, knowing that's God's word. It's his promise to us that we don't have to go through it. I think that's, it should be an encouragement to all of us. It really should. Like you were saying, it should be, if you're not encouraged by this, Something's wrong. Something's really wrong. Because this is a blessing that God will not make us go through that. Let's look at him that overcometh. Again, refer to one of our previous ones about what overcoming really is. Uh, Will I make a pillar in the temple of my God? And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God in the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I'll write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Uh, for me, I, I see a link here between kept, kept. We see there's that that closeness and consistency and faithfulness and nearness. When you've kept my word, you've kept the word of my patience, you've, you've, you've stayed strong. And then he says, I'm also going to keep you from the hour of temptation. And here we see, friends, although you've been uh, going through all this hard times, you will now be, again, established as a pillar 
like that patience. You've stood strong on earth. You're going to stand in the temple of my God, immovable, and you won't have to go out anymore. You can stay with me. You can stay in my presence. And then it gets even juicier. It gets even more delicious. He says, I'm going to write on you the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, and my new name. Like, this is so intimate. He's giving them on their on their person his new name, showing how close they really are to him. And so uh, now let's look at some of these comments about, before I go to the comments, Jonah, what are your thoughts on this last section here? Are there any any big things that stick out to you? Uh, no, I, I think you uh, did a good job explaining just what it's saying. And it's super encouraging again. Oh, yeah. Um, the closeness that we'll be able to have with our Savior uh, when this life is over. Yeah. Oh man. I can't wait. <laughs> I mm. cannot wait for this body of sin to be gone and for that unhindered union that no mm. sin coming between us ever again. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Let's yeah. look at this here. Uh, so brother Gary said, I'm still studying this one and we're going to kind of look at some of the things he's studying out as we're going uh, open door equals an unrepented sin. I'm not sure about that one. I don't know. I mean, let me keep reading through these um, in, in this term. I think it's an invitation to salvation. You know, that's not a bad idea uh, that the salvation is open. As long as we are on this earth, the door can't be closed. Jesus has opened the door. I, I don't know if that's exactly the context here, uh, but it is a good thought. Uh, let's keep going here. It says, given that he is praising the church, could the open door be the way to heaven, the narrow path? Could it be the way to heaven? Let me let me process these for a second. I'm just trying to reach them back into the, the flow here. I know that I worked through all I've said before. The a pathway to heaven. And nobody can shut it. Well, indirectly, yes. I'm thinking the pathway to heaven via the rapture uh, because of, or death, because of this section about keeping from the hour of temptation. I, I would have to wrestle more with those. That's the hard part. I have to plug your guys' thoughts into this passage and like sit with it for a second, and like play around with all the nuances before I can say yes or no. Uh, but I mean, it's a good thought. It really is. Let me see uh, what's going on here. This is awesome. Good conversation going. Yes, I think so too. That by grace and their weakness, he's telling them that the door to heaven is open for them because of their obedience to his word, which the obedience, the obedience to the word we have to remember is in context of faith because it's not like they're working their way to heaven, which I think you guys would all agree with. They're not working their way to heaven. That's why he's opened the door. Uh, but let me keep going. Uh, let me see here. I agree with Brother Jonah on the issue of worship. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, that's great conversation there. Uh, I, I don't know if we've settled the issue of the open door, but I do think we made progress on it, thinking about what it could be. Huh. And so we're going to move on to our final church, the church where it really talks about uh, lukewarmness, a one that many people would probably know about this church more than many of the other churches. Many know the church at Ephesus leaving their first love, and many know the church of the Laodiceans because of the lukewarm. All the other ones are kind of fuzzy, but this is a well-known one, and we're going to dive into this. And so, Brother Jonah, would you uh, read this one for us as well? For sure. And unto the angel of the church uh, of the Laodiceans, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that uh, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm 
and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that, thy, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his house. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I think uh he's gone and so uh we oh, uh, we can we, I did it again. there he's I'm I like, did it again. He, he went somewhere I'm, I'm, I'm explaining mm. the whole book over here and you guys are missing out on the juicy night. Oh, here we go here we go uh, but we have the church of Laodicea here and it's so good I mean we look at the way he introduces himself the amen oh that word it's funny it's actually a transliteration it's a Hebrew word that's transliterated into Greek that's also transliterated into English. And so when you say amen in church, you're speaking Hebrew, I guess, and Greek, I guess, in a, in a minor way. But amen was a Hebrew word, which in my study meant like, let it be, let it be. He's the one that let it, lets it be. When Jesus was ever saying, verily, verily, if you look in the Greek, he's saying, amen, amen. Like, this is truth. This is what is. This is not uh, something I'm imagining. This is not something subjective. This is objective reality. This is what is. And he says, I am the what is. I am the I am. I am what is. I'm the amen, the faithful and true witness, the one who fully reveals God, the faithful and true witness. And I'm the beginning of the creation of God. I'm the author. I am the one who began it. I am the one who made the entire creation. And this is setting us up to realize everything that we think we enjoy, he made. And it's a derivative of his ingenuity and him upholding it moment by moment. And so uh, he is the greatest good. He is the final good. He is the uh, what, what's the word? So we're contingent beings. He is a, what's, what's that? Do you remember the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking my brains now. I'm forgetting. The only word that comes to my mind would be resolute. Um, well, we're contingent on him. He's not contingent on anybody. And I can't remember the right word right now, but basically he needs nobody. He needs nothing. Everything else needs him to exist. That's what he's introducing himself as. And he does that to really set up a beautiful point. He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. And I don't know if it's just me, but I've heard so many sermons on cold and hot. And they, they make up what cold or hot is. And they're like, cold is this and hot is that. And because of this and that. And I love it. They do bring in, uh, they bring in historical facts about like Hierapolis and the, the hot springs and the cold springs and all those things, which are true. Uh, those things were around and they would have been, they would have meant something to the Laodiceans, but that's not the main driver of Jesus message. 
Jesus's main message is not about what cold is and what hot is. His main message is about what lukewarmness is and that they shouldn't be it. Like, that's the main message. And so we can surmise about, okay, he wants them to be cold or hot. So are both of these good? Well, we could talk about that at the end. We can, but that's not the main driver. The main driver is this. He doesn't want them lukewarm. And so our main, our main processing power and time and meditation should be, what is lukewarm and, and why shouldn't I be it? Or, or what rather should I be instead of lukewarm, okay? And so let's look at what lukewarm is. Well, before I get to lukewarm, is there anything you want to say about his introduction about being the amen, the faithful, true witness? So I'm ready to run, like rip right into lukewarm because this is a passion of mine. But uh, well, any thoughts about the introduction here? Uh, we should uh, just get right in. Uh, time is even getting short. So uh, oh, even is. though I might have uh, <laughs> some things to say, I don't know if we have time to mention, even though, man, this is all good stuff. But uh, just, just I okay, could say right. Let's oh, just yeah. jump right in then. Lukewarm. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think this is so simple. And I, that's why I'm always just like wondering why we miss it over and over again. The other ones were hard. Trust me. Like the open door question, that was tough. The, uh, what was the one? The living and dead. That was tough. Those are hard ones. This one, it seems like it's so clear to me. Maybe I'm just oversimplifying it, but I have the word boxed. He says, because. Like he's going to define it for us. And this is what we always look for in Bible study. We look for the text to define what it's saying. That's, that's letting the context help us understand. And Jesus here, he's like, I'm going to tell you why you're lukewarm. I'm going to tell you what your problem is right here. This is what lukewarm is. Because you say I'm rich and increased with goods. And this is huge. I have need of nothing, <laughs> nothing. Now, this is one thing I love to tease out with people. Included in that nothing is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Hopefully we understand that. When Jesus says they have need of nothing, they're not just saying we have need of no other earthly material goods. We've got it all. When they say I have need of nothing, they are believing they are self-sufficient because I'm saved now. I get to go to heaven. And I've got all this riches. I've got everything taken care of. I don't need anybody. I don't really even need God very much anymore because I've got it all covered. And when we get to the point where we believe that we're good, at, we're good. We don't really need him anymore because we're saved. We've got our material needs covered. And, and I know many people say, I would never go there. The truth is many of us get there. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I've been there. I'm saved. I've got my material needs covered, and I really, it's not that I would say that out loud, like, I don't need Jesus anymore, but we live like it, and we, if, if you got up this morning, and I you know you're watching right now, so, and, and you didn't study the word, and many do this, they get up, and they go throughout their day without ever coming and being with Jesus. What you're saying is, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I don't really need him, I don't really need him. People say out of church. They go about their life and they're saved. They were saved when they were young, but they live their life apart from church and they live their life not, not walking with Jesus. And what they're saying is, I'm rich. I'm increased of good, with goods. I have need of nothing. I don't need him anymore. And Jesus, he, he rebukes them and he goes at them. He's like, you guys don't know. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. <laughs> he is ripping our faces. He, he doesn't hold back anything. He wants us to realize that if we think we have everything apart from him, literally we have nothing. 
It's not that we have a little bit. He says, no, you are wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind and naked. And that's why the answer is me, not me personally, but Jesus. He says, buy of me the stuff you need, gold, raiment, uh, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And so he goes on and gives him the answer. I stand at the door and knock. What you need is me. You need me. And I'm knocking at the door. I'm going to spew you away from me if you guys don't repent. But I'm standing at the door knocking. And if you will listen, I will come back. That's, that's huge. And I will sup. I'll fellowship with him. And so I, I, that's my two cents. I have more. I, I can literally spend a whole next hour talking about this. But I want to mm-hmm. turn it over to you. What are your thoughts on this section of lukewarmness? I think uh, you hit it right on the nail. I mean, we even see Jesus talking to another church that is exactly opposite of this Laodicean church. He says, I know your poverty. And then in parentheses says, but you're rich. He's saying the exact opposite to uh, Laodicea. You say you're rich, but, and he doesn't even put it in parentheses. He says, no, I'll put this in sentence form. (laughs) You're, you're, you're not rich. You're actually poor. You're miserable. You're wretched. You're naked. You're blind. And so, uh, Yes. We know that material goods mean nothing uh, in and of themselves. Um, YouTube means nothing without God. Yeah, it's yeah. a good thing. We're using it for good right now. But apart from God, it's pointless. It's, it's worthless. It's vanity. It's vain. And so uh, he's saying you have a lot of things, but you are spiritually poor. Oh, uh, and yeah. so uh, that, I believe that's what lukewarm is. And where we do not want to be or God will want to spew us out of our mouth. And as Americans, it is so easy for us to be there. The richest nation on earth. Um, I mean, just saying this, if most of the world hears this, they'd be like jaws drop. Just about every house, at least in our area, AC, heat. Um, I mean, so comfortable. Uh, everything about our lives are so comfortable and we can easily say, I have need of nothing. Look at, look at everything I have. I don't need anything else. And again, like you said, we wouldn't say, I don't need Jesus, but we'll live like it. Uh, Only, only when bad things happen to us or bad times, then we'll go to God and he'd be like, well, I I remember old Testament Mm. uh, accounts where those types of things happen. They go to God and he's pretty much saying, why don't you go? Talk to the gods that you've been worshiping. Yeah. yeah. Why are you now coming to me? You've been worshiping the other gods, but now all of a sudden this has happened. You're not going to those gods anymore. Now yeah. you're coming to me. What's going on? And that's what we're like. We worship all of our material goods and then something happens. Then we go to Jehovah and he's probably thinking, okay, so you worship the other gods when things are going good. But then when things go bad, those gods can't help you. And yeah. so it's that's big. And I think this is, this is the message we need. And so I can see why people are always breaking these down into ages, like boom, 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 boom. Because this does, it resonates with Americans in this Mm. age. We realize that many believers, this is us. This is is Mm. American Christianity. (laughs) You could just, instead of saying to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, you could say unto American Christians, right? Mm. Uh, Because... Whether we like it or not, this is this is one of the biggest battles we will fight for the rest of our life is not being this, not being lukewarm, because it's easy to slip into this. 
The truth is I have coffee here. And this, this is a cool mug that my wife got me for Christmas. It's an ember. It's supposed to keep it hot, you know, nonstop. It keeps it from becoming lukewarm. But when that's turned off, it's just natural. It naturally becomes lukewarm. And that's us too. When we are not actively plugged into God and actively seeking him, the natural thing is for us to become lukewarm. And so for us, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, don't, please don't be so arrogant. And I'm speaking to myself. Please don't be so arrogant as to think I'll never be lukewarm. I'll mm. never be like this. It's natural. And so it is an active thing for us to consciously daily remember, I need him. And it's probably even harder for Americans because we can look at everything we have and we can think, I did this. I made this life, which is a big lie, by the way. But it's easy for us to think, I can keep myself afloat with or without God. Friend, may we please consciously, daily make the decision to remind ourselves, he's the amen. He's the faithful and true witness. He's the one who created and upholds all of this. Without him, I am nothing. I could do nothing. I need him more than I need this. If he took this away, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I need him above everything. And that leads us to the reward. He says, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit? And now here's the reward again, with me. The, 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 the punishment was, I'm going to spew you away from me. Exile, separation. But the reward is, you can't be with me. And I know many people focus on this in my throne. That's awesome. I think the emphasis is with me. Yes, where he's at in his throne is awesome. We get a rule and reign with him. That's, that's a bonus. But I pray we don't re really think so highly of the throne that we think of it more highly than being with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And some, uh, some of us, because we're materialistic in our framework, that's what we're all caring about. What am I going to get? What am I going to get? Oh, I get power. Sweet. No, no, no. That's cool. That's cruel. That's a great addition. But the main blessing is if you ever, you get to sit with me. You get to be with me in my throne, just like I overcame and sat down with my father. Yes, in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. And so those are the churches. We've just covered a bunch of them. I'm going to look at some of the comments before we wrap it up here tonight. There's so many great comments today. Let me look here. It says, uh, so, so beautiful. The amen. It also means the agreement. Yes, or in agreement. I love that. It's so good. Let's look here. A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Good, good. Lukewarm, uncaring, uh, complacent. Yeah, it's really that self-reliance. It's I don't need anybody. I, I, it's like I'm God myself. We would never say that, but it's where we get We're thinking I've got everything I need. I'm a self-made man or woman. I don't need God. I don't need anybody else. I can do this my own self. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. Uncaring, complacent. Uh, Yvonne says, blessed are the poor in spirit. We are bankrupt without him. Oh, I love mm. that word, bankrupt. Mm -hmm. That's a great word. It's, it's an amplification of the word poor. Like it's, yes, we've got nothing. We've got nothing without him. So good. A forgiven sinner is a sinner who's been forgiven. So still a sinner in need of God. We still need him. And even when our sins are completely actually gone, like our flesh is gone and we're a new human, the truth is whether we are sinners or we are perfect beings, let's just think about angels who are just sinless beings, we still need God because we're contingent. He is the only I am that I am. He's the only one who needs nothing. 
All other creatures will always need him. And if we can never forget that, we can never forget that. Uh, let me say here, falling away one day at a time. And that's the truth. When we are not actively plugged into him, we do fall away one day at a time. It's just drifting to lukewarmness. Uh, hopefully that's what you were meaning by that. But, oh, man, what great comments, what great conversation. I am thankful for all of you joining us today. Revelation is good, and uh, I can see why there's a blessing for reading it and studying it. Uh, but, Jonah, are there any closing comments you want to give to us uh, before we wrap it up? Well, I uh, definitely there were some tricky tricky parts in this chapter with some of these uh, uh, churches, but it definitely is an encouragement on the things that are just so plain. Mm. Um, and, but, and then I do believe, uh, I think it was Gary who says questions, give us a good reason to study. Uh, okay. if we don't have, uh, all the answers, just keep on studying it. Yes. Uh, and this is what I love to do. I just continue to pray, ask God to allow the Holy spirit to shed light. We call mm. it illumination, shed light on the things that man, I don't understand the first time. Probably don't understand the 10th time I read it, the 20th time. Just keep on studying it. Uh, the Bible says study to show thyself approved unto God. Yes. And so uh, even though there's some things I don't have the answers to right now, just keep on studying it. Years, a lifetime of studying, mm -hmm. you still won't have all the answers. Amen. Oh, that's so good. I think that's a great way to wrap this up. All of us, none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived. Let's all just keep on studying the word and as we study it, we got to realize we are with him. We got to, mm. we are with him as we study. And I love what you talked about illumination, the Holy mm. Spirit opening our eyes, shedding a light on revealed truth is one of the most delicious things in our, we're going to talk about Joshua very soon coming up in our, uh, our university. And one of the things that Dr. Shetler, he was my instructor on, on Joshua said, he told me that a truth understood the joy of having a truth understood is only surpassed by the thrill of discovering the mm. truth, discovering it for yourself. Just getting taught it is great. But when you get to dive in and discover it yourself, that joy mm. surpasses just understanding it. And that's what God wants to do is walk with us moment by moment, showing us more from his word. And so, friends, thanks for being here. Thanks for the Gary, Belinda, Luigi, Yvonne, and others. Thank you guys for being with us today. I pray you have a blessed day today. Stay encouraged in the Lord. And we'll talk with you guys, Lord willing, very soon. And so we'll see you then. Mm -hmm.